Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. This month of January, we're going to start declaring the glory of God in our lives, the glory of God in the city, the glory of God in the valley, whichever valley God has sent us to. Remember, we said this year, according to Ezekiel 37, the Spirit of God, the hand of the Lord is upon us or upon each and every one of us. And he is leading us to the valley. Or for some of us, it is the places where we already are, where we're working or where God has placed us. Those are the valleys. Those are the places that are failing to meet the expectation of God. That's exactly what a valley is. It, it, it needs to rise up. But for the valley to rise up, God in Ezekiel 37 took a prophet into that valley and ask the prophet to declare or prophesy life in the valley. Are you with me? And this year, that's the picture you should be seeing. Wherever God has set you, whatever God has put within your hands, the picture you must be seeing is you are there to declare life. You are there to declare the glory of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's what we're there to do. So this month of January, we're going to take our time to start looking at what this really means for our lives. Amen? Because we're not there to just declare something that does not affect us. It affects us first, and then we can declare it. Yeah? It affects your life first, and then you can speak it, and then you can declare it. Like Peter said to the man at the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3, he said to the man, What I have, I give to you. Which means Peter had healing in him. Hello? The Holy Spirit had put the healing power of God in Peter. So he said, what I have, I give to you. He didn't even mention its name. But when he said that, a miracle happened, and the guy that was born lame was raised back on his feet, and he began to walk, leaping and rejoicing and praising God. Are you with me? So when we're talking about going in the valley and beginning to declare the glory of God or the life of God in that place, we are really talking about experiencing the glory of God ourselves so we may declare it. It's too quiet in here. But what I'm talking about is beautiful stuff. It's going to change your life. Wait, just wait and see. To experience the glory of God or the goodness of God or the life of God in you first. So that you may stand and declare it. 
So when you stand before your family and you begin to speak about the God, you will not be speaking about the God you read in the book. You will be speaking about the God you experience. When you stand in your workplace and begin to declare the life of God, you will not just be speaking about a God that you've heard Pastor Phil preach. You will not be repeating my messages or anybody else's messages. You will be speaking from the experience of God that you have personally. Who wants that? And the people lost their voices. Who wants that? (laughs) Yeah? I want to encounter him. It's a valid prayer in the Bible. The Apostle Paul said that I may know him. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know. I want to. Because he lived his life speaking it to other people, he wants to know him first. Amen? You're going to know the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm going to know the glory of God. Yeah, I'm going to know the life of God. I'm going to know how it feels to walk with God. Hmm? Hallelujah. So this month of January, we're going to deal with these topics, okay? Where I left you last week in Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read from verse 1. And today, I want to deal with an aspect of declaring the glory. So I'm going to read from verse 61. Uh, From verse 1, sorry, of Isaiah 61. So the Bible says, I read from the NIV, it says that, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. Hello. For the display of his splendor in other versions. It's for the display of his glory. So that God may be glorified in the King James Version. Are you with me? For the display of his glory. Amen. Just leave that scripture up. Thank you. For the display of his glory. So that God may be glorified. This is a scripture that Jesus opened and read. To begin his ministry. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4. He entered the synagogue. And he opened the scroll. And he began to read. He began to read Isaiah 61. Are you with me? In short. This represents the manifesto. Of the Messiah. The manifesto. Of Jesus Christ himself. Hello. We just finished voting and and we were reading manifestos, some of us. 
This represents what Jesus came to do. His mandate. How he sees himself. What he has come to do is to declare into these people that are captives freedom. He has come to do all these things so that at the end of the day, the glory of God may be seen on the people. Are you with me? And last week, I picked three things that we need to actually begin to understand. I just feel them prophetically. We need to begin to understand how to declare these things in this year. And these three things are number one, found in verse three. Number one, beauty for ashes. Do you remember? And he says, joy for mourning. And he said, garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. These things Jesus has done over our lives. But what are these things? Beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You can see that in that scripture that's on the screen, right? Or to give them a garland for ashes. Represents beauty. Today, I want to deal with beauty for ashes. Just a few minutes. I want to deal with what does it mean that Jesus has brought beauty over our life. I would have entitled this sermon, Ugly is Gone. Hello? We're no longer ugly. I don't care what your mirror says. If it keeps saying that, throw it away. Beauty has come. Hello? Jesus has beautified our lives. And we need to learn to understand that if the glory of God is going to be revealed in us, we need to understand he has made us beautiful. Come and say, oh, I'm beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you are beautiful too, Carl. <laughs> I know all the men are going. Because <laughs> it never said they are beautiful. They, they want to say another word. No, let's keep to the biblical words. I, beautiful. God has made a way to make our lives beautiful. Now, I know some of you, as I'm saying this, the ugly stuff around your life is just beginning to show up. And you're going... My life is not as beautiful as you're saying, preacher man. <coughs> but shall we start with the scriptures first? And I'm going to show you how you can make this a reality in your life. <coughs> that the things that are not as beautiful as they should be can also begin to understand that you are beautiful and therefore can begin to be beautiful. Amen? Amen. We want to have beautiful families, beautiful careers, and beautiful children. Luther just had one. She is beautiful, man. Well done. <laughs> you know? And we want to have beautiful stuff around our lives. Listen, God has already taken care of it. You are not the only one looking for your life to be beautiful. God actually has done something about it. Amen? Amen. Now, to understand, let me share a few things. Beautiful ashes. Ashes, what does that mean? Ashes begin to represent a place of mourning. 
In the Old Testament, I shared a little bit about this last week. In the Old Testament, when they were going through mourning as a family, they would put on sackcloth and then they would go and sit out in the open and they would cover themselves in ashes. It represented grief and sadness and mourning. But also, in the Old Testament, when they were repenting of their sins, if you remember Jonah going to a city called Nineveh, he was trying to get the people to repent. When the people began to repent because God had said he was going to destroy them, they began to pray, they began to fast, and they would put ashes on themselves. Ashes also represented humility. We have humbled ourselves. We accept our predicament and we are helpless and we have humbled ourselves. That's what ashes represent. Are you with me? Ashes represent a place of humility. So in the book of Job, as Job was afflicted by every sickness that could come on his body and his children were gone and he was mourning, he had lost his business and everything that he owned. You remember the story of, of Job? And he sat and he was there in mourning. We, we, he, he, he must have covered himself in ashes. Are you with me? So if you see a person in ashes, you saw a person in the Bible, you are seeing a person that is humbled, abased to the last place in his life. I'm done for. In the New Testament, this can be also represented by another word that we are introduced to in the New Testament. And that word is found in the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son had found himself eating with pigs, the Bible says he came to his senses. He realized he needs his father. And he said, I will go back to my father because a servant is worth more than I am at my father's house. Are you with me? So in the New Testament, that, that place of ashes also begins to represent a place where somebody comes to their senses and realizes, I am done. Did you get me? These meanings are very important for the rest of the story I'm going to share with you. Ashes mean humility. Mean you are abased, you have come to the end of yourself. It means also a place of awareness, a place where you come to your senses and realize if I don't get help, I am done. That's what ashes represent. The children of God, if they did not want to repent, they would not put ashes on themselves. So ashes also represent an awareness that I am actually done for here, unless God comes to my rescue. Are you with me? Yes. Let's repeat that phrase again. Beauty Beauty for ashes begins to mean, therefore, that God will only exchange his beauty for the one that is ready to bring some ashes. So it's not happening automatically. Until you come to a place where you are in ashes, you are aware, like the prodigal son, you will not partake of the beauty of God. Humility is what brings the beauty of God. 
in your life. Are you with me? If we find a person that is not humble enough to repent, they're not humble enough to, to, to realize they, 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 they need Jesus or they need God. They're not humble enough to acknowledge there's a problem in my house. They're not humble enough to, to acknowledge uh, there's a problem in my heart that needs God. Uh, they're not humble enough to acknowledge any of these things. Then the beauty of God will not be theirs. Because beauty is for ashes. It's like God is saying, if you come with your ashes, I will exchange it. And I will give you beauty. Let's go to Psalm 149 verse 4. And, and we're going to see what that really means. Psalm 149 verse 4. In the New King James Version, the Bible says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Did you see that? God will beautify the humble with salvation. We catch the same word again. You didn't realize there was so much beauty, beauty, beauty going on in the Bible. If, if I had time, I would read you the Song of Solomon and I'll read you a few other prophets that talk about beauty. The Lord will beautify those who are humble. What does it mean to beautify? We have established that He will exchange our ashes, and our ashes is a place of awareness. It is a place of knowing I need God. It is a place of humility. For beauty. But what does it really mean in the Bible when God talks about beautify? In the Old Testament, it is the same word that means glorify. Beautify and glorify is the same thing. Hello? It means God will make his goodness. He will make his glory. We're back to that word. Come upon those that humble themselves. So if you're going to walk in the glory of God and your life is going to turn beautiful this year, listen, you're going to learn to how to bring ashes before him. Now I'm not saying go home and cover yourself in ashes. But I am saying go home and be humble. I am definitely saying if there is a situation in my life that needs to change and it's refusing to change, perhaps I need to humble myself. Perhaps I need to come to the end of myself and realize I cannot fix this. And say, Jesus, I need you. Then his beauty is going to start flowing into my life. Hello, somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. How is he going to beautify us? Let's talk a little bit more so we understand what beauty is. That psalm says he will beautify with salvation. I just love that. What is God going to use to make you beautiful? Salvation. Let me explain to you. It's like coming into your, 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 your house. You know, some of you ladies have wonderful jewelry everywhere. But you can also agree with me that you have at least the best, the best one that you, you bring out. If we said the queen was coming to your house, the best that you're going to bring out, or you're going to have to go shopping. <laughs> but everybody has something. You know, you know, you've got many shoes, but you have these shoes that you really treasure. And you've got many clothes, but you've got some that you think, oh, this makes me look like a size zero. <laughs> 
you know, and, and they, we've got our best. You get me? So it feels like this. When somebody humbles themselves, God says, hang on a second, and he goes in his treasure. And he picks out the best gallon, the best jewelry, the best pearl, the best gold that he can bring out to give to somebody who humbles themselves. And what is that? It is called salvation. When you receive the salvation of the Lord, you have received the best that God has. Nothing better. Hello? <laughs> so again, back to the story of the prodigal son. When he turns up and he says to his father, treat me as a servant because I am not worthy. I have sinned against you. Against everyone else. Treat me as a servant. What does the father do? The father says, hang on a second. And he goes inside the house. And he brings out his best robe. Best ring. His own ring. The same as his father has. He brings it out. And he gives his son the best. When you humble yourself, he beautifies you with his best. And his best is salvation. Perhaps if we, if we don't understand that salvation is his best, then we don't understand what salvation is. Because most of us are still stuck on the understanding of salvation, of I gave my life to Jesus, he forgave my sins, now I'm going to, to heaven, I am saved. Hallelujah, it's over. That's not what salvation is in totality. Salvation represents a restoration. God restores you. Salvation represents reconciliation, maybe to begin with. You are reconciled to God. But reconciliation also means you are restored back to what you were supposed to be when God created you. That's what reconciliation is. Huh? Accountants do reconciliations all the time. Huh? And that simply means in a simple or layman's terms, if an accountant tells me they are reconciling their accounts, I think they're trying to say, we're just trying to make everything make sense. Okay? We're trying to make everything make sense. How that looks and how that looks, so that everything can just, all your finances can make sense. We need to reconcile. Hello? The figures must agree. We must know where this went and where that is. So we have to reconcile. God! In saving you, wants everything about you to make sense. I'm telling you, salvation is beautiful. When you have believed in Christ, <laughs> salvation means deliverance, restoration, reconciliation. It begins to mean a few more other things. But to make us truly understand, let's go to Philippians chapter 2, and then we're going to finish. I'm glad we're moving at a good pace. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read 6 to 10. Salvation. How has God beautified us? What does the Bible say God has done to beautify us? It says he has beautified us with salvation. When we humble ourselves, he beautifies us with salvation. Beauty for ashes. I want you to understand what salvation is. Philippians 2, 6 to 10. It is speaking of Jesus. I catch it in verse 6. And that's halfway. It says, Who, 
This person is Jesus. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God. That's Jesus. Did not consider it robbery. To be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him. And given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven. Of those on earth. And of those under the earth. Hello. Hello. This is how salvation looks like. When Jesus humbled himself, the Bible there is teaching us that when God is asking or he's going to put beauty for ashes, Jesus actually did not just come and declare this over us, but he went through it himself. So the first part of that scripture is describing the ashes. Jesus going through that humble period of his life. When he begins to say he did not consider equality with God a matter to be grasped. He left his high honor, his place of authority, his place, his realm of power. He could have come down here and loaded it over every human being. Because he knew things we didn't know. But the Bible says he humbled himself to be born as a man. I don't know. If I was Jesus, perhaps I would have said, I'm, I, I'm not going to be a baby, a, a toddler, a two-year-old, me. I, I'm not going to try and be 13. Why, Father, why don't you just send me at 25 at least? I'm an adult. I can drive. <laughs> but Jesus was humbled to the point of being born as a baby, as a human. To go through the entire human process. Are you with me? To depend on human beings. Because if you remember when he was just born and Pharaoh was after his life, he couldn't even make himself disappear. The angel had to come to his parents and say, please take this child to Egypt. He is going to be killed. Take him. Jesus depended on human beings because he was born as a baby. Ashes. For him, that was ashes. That is humbling himself, becoming human in every way. Do you get it? He went through the ashes. Oh, yes, he did. And because he humbled himself, that's not even enough. To a point of death, but not the death that is honorable. He died a death that is dishonorable. He died on the cross. The cross was used for punishment. It was for public shame. If your son was hung on the cross, your entire family lived in shame. And Jesus takes humility to that level, to the point of death. You see, there's many times I feel like, yeah, I'm ready to be humble, but I'm not going to die being humble. You know? 
you're humble, but you say, ah, come on, these are my rights. You begin to fight for yourself. I don't know what it took, but it took quite a lot of energy for Jesus to keep his mouth shut and not to fight for his rights and hang on the cross. Especially that he wasn't guilty. But he humbled himself. Ashes. Ashes. And because he brought himself to ashes before God, the Bible says the Father therefore has exalted him. This is what salvation begins to look like. God went again in his treasure and he picked his best and he turned around to put it on his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he has humbled himself. And his best was what? I will exalt you. I will give you a name that is above all names. That here in heaven, they will know your name. On earth, they will know your name. And if there is a world on earth below, they will also know your name. Nothing will be higher than you because you came with ashes. Are you with me? Uh, If you can only understand how beautiful salvation is. Salvation is as beautiful as Jesus is right now. He's exalted higher above every other name. Listen, God is not asking us, therefore... To try and obtain our own salvation in any other way. He's asking us to humble ourselves to Christ. If we can just understand that simple. It's a very simple thing. In Christ, we are beautified. So what the Bible is teaching us is not that you you go home and each each and every one of us is, you know, has to pay their price to, to be beautified by God. For us, it's even easier. Our job is to humble ourselves to Christ. If we humble ourselves with Him, then we are exalted with Him. If He's got a name that is above all names, then we get a name that is above all names. Then nothing around you will stand. The things around you will begin to bow. This is how beautiful salvation is. This is how your life will As I humble myself, come to ashes, acknowledging that Jesus, I can't do this by myself. I can't run my life. I need what you have done on the cross to work for me. The Bible says we are crucified with Christ. Ashes with him. Therefore what? Resurrected with him. If the Father has given him a name above all names, then the name above all names is conferred upon us. Then you understand what it means when it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Everything around you, beautiful. Why? Because you have humbled yourself to he who humbled himself to the point of death. We are beautiful because he is beautiful. Because he's being beautified. He's being glorified. As I finish, in John 17, we find that clarity. When Jesus said, the glory you gave me, I gave to them. The beauty that you put on me, I'm putting on them. Our beauty comes because 
Jesus has been exalted to the extreme. And so when we humble ourselves to him, he beautifies our lives because we are in him. You know, I've got a feeling that as we sing, you know, we were singing that song, beauty, beauty, beautiful, glory, glory, glorious, you are. As we sing that song to God, I'm pretty sure the angels in heaven look down and they also begin to sing over us. Beauty, beauty, beautiful, glory, glory, glorious, you are. Because you are in Christ. You can't say Jesus is beautiful and you are not. Hello? That's why I love singing that song. Because I, I can actually stop for a moment and just imagine that echo of heaven also saying to me, beauty, beauty, beauty. <sighs> Salvation is a beautiful thing. For those of you that like to write, there are clear things in there. The first thing that salvation has done in Christ, what has it done? He has been exalted. Second thing, it's been given a name. That is above every other name. Third thing is how these things are outworked. He has authority. Everything bows to him. That's how beautiful salvation is. It's so beautiful that nothing that hinders you can stand anymore. As God beautifies you, everything bows. As God beautifies you, even your name becomes great because you have the name of Christ upon your life. As God makes you beautiful, your family history begins to diminish. The impact of the history, the negative history of your family diminishes. Because you have now a new name. You are in Christ. Perhaps this is why the Apostle Paul says we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. What does all that take? I repeat. It just takes humbling ourselves and knowing we need him. In any area of your life where things are looking ugly, can I ask a question? Could it be that you haven't humbled yourself enough to accept the working grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in that area? Could it be? Any area of your life where you're looking at and you're saying, things are really ugly. Could it be that you are resisting? Could it also be that you're, you know, you're not fully dependent on what he has done? You're not ready to go to ashes in that area. You're still holding back. You're still trying to fix it yourself. You're still trying, trying. You haven't gone to him for wisdom. You haven't gone to him. You haven't surrendered that area to him. You're still holding on to it. You're holding on to your rights too much. You're still saying, no, I can do this. You're still saying, it's my right. I don't know, you just need to search yourself. Because according to the scriptures, when you have ashes, he gives you beauty. You've got to come to the end of yourself. I'm going to encourage you, before you begin to declare beauty in the entire 
family, in the entire finance of your life. Before you begin to declare, beautiful, things are beautiful. My life is beautiful because of God. Before you declare that, make sure you have ashes. Make sure you have said, God, I've given up on my own ambition. God, I've given up on chasing my own ambition for my ambition's sake or for my ego's sake. God, I'm giving up on, on chasing these things just so that my pride may be satisfied. I may look good out there. That people may say I didn't waste my years. And then You've you got to come with ashes. You know something about ashes is that they are not going to be faked. Ashes are ashes. Something has to burn. Then ashes. So you've got to come. At the, God, and it's amazing. That's why they call him sometimes, people say God of the 11th hour. Because sometimes he works until you have ashes. When you've got ashes, when you are left with ashes, then he turns up. When you're left with no hope, against hope, he turns up. Because he exchanges ashes for beauty. What a wonderful way. Ashes can buy you beauty. Oh God. So do not resist his correction. Do not resist what he's leading you to. Do not resist him in any area of your life. If he reduces you to nothing, you should know ashes buy beauty. They're not worthless in his sight. Let's stand together. So I want us to take a moment and we're going to pray and then we're going to do communion. I want us to take a moment and just the beauty of God. I just want us to just meditate on that and say, Lord Jesus, if there's any area of your life that right now you want to bring before God in repentance and you're going to repent or if there's any area of your life that right now you know, you know that there is, I've been holding on to this. You know what? As you are before God, let him bring you to ashes. Just say, Lord, I acknowledge that only you, only you can build my life. If your finances are all over the place, bring yourself to that place where you see the ashes. And say, Lord, I acknowledge only you can build this. I stop relying on my own wisdom, on my strength, my ability. If your marriage is in disarray, come before him and say, God, I acknowledge I just mess things up. The more I try, the more I mess it. Only you can do this. If I'm going to rise, then out of the ashes, I will rise. So bring yourself before that. If your life is directionless, or perhaps there is an habitual sin that is hounding you. Every week, as you walked in here, right now, you don't even feel worthy. Because you fall so easily. There is a sin that just continues to follow you. You've tried all sorts of theories, and it's not working. You've tried all sorts of prayers, of ways of thinking, and to cut it off, and it's not working. Listen. Ashes. Ashes. Allow him to bring you to ashes. Go before him with ashes. And acknowledge Jesus only the complete work, the finished work of the cross, of Calvary, 
can redeem me right here. If I'm going to be beautiful in this area, you're going to make me beautiful. Just pray before him. Just have this moment. Just have this moment. Just have this moment. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. We stand before you. Just pray where you are. Just pray where you are. Just pray where you are. Just seek him where you are. Just seek him where you are. Jesus, 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 I humble myself before you. I surrender all of me to you. I surrender everything to you. I have nowhere else to go but to you. I have no other wisdom but to cry to you. I have no plan B, no plan C. You are my only plan. You are my only plan. You are my only plan. Ha, you are my only plan. Unless you beautify me, I will not be beautiful. Unless you beautify my marriage, I will not be beautiful. Unless you beautify my finances. Unless you beautify my life. I've tried so many careers, Jesus. And it's not going to work. I, I, I will not rely on myself anymore. Just say whatever prayer you're saying before him. I'm just trying to help. Just say whatever prayer you're saying before him. Just feel free. Feel free. Just break before him. Break before him. The Bible says he beautifies the humble with salvation. And salvation means he's going to exalt you. He's going to make you beautiful. You'll have a name that even your enemies will hear about but will never conquer. Oh, 